growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to the 100th episode of the How We Solve podcast and show. I'm the producer, and today I'm also one of the hosts, Sam Waynes. And it's my absolute pleasure to bring to this 100th episode, Sean Lee, David Hensel, and GQ Fu, who are the founders of this podcast. I've only been around for about 25 episodes, but it's my absolute pleasure. So welcome to the show, guys. What up? Thank you. <laughs> this is my show now, guys. I'm taking over. So thank you for having us, Sean. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but you can send me your speaker fees after the show. <laughs> it's great to be together, have everyone from the beginning. But I just wanted to bring everyone up to speed. If this is the first time they're listening, what is how we solve? Who started it? What's going on with this? So maybe David, if you could answer like how we solve. Sure. How we solve, I don't know how it really got started. I think it just kind of happened out of the desire to talk to smart people who have solved tough business problems and learning from them and sharing this with others. And I think this was kind of like the the self-serving motivation from my end to talk to smart people, have a reason to talk to more smart people that have solved hard stuff and sharing this. And also, you know, other self-serving thing is giving exposure to the portfolio of businesses that I'm working with. Where did the idea for the podcast actually come from? Like, was it just something you always thought you wanted to do? Or was Sean, the podcast mania guy involved in that? I started podcasting just to connect people through stories when I was doing my MBA at Berkeley Haas. Speaking of which, I just had my makeup commencement this weekend. That was kind of cool seeing everybody again. The school actually gave me an award, the Berkeley Leader Award that you know one person gets every year because of the podcast that I started. Wow. But yeah, it was pretty cool to be on stage for two hours being stared at. <laughs> <laughs> started podcasting in 2017. Podcasting had been around already for 12, 13 years by that time. I remember very early on, David also around that time started the Managing Happiness podcast. He was interviewing amazing people. We both were just vibing off of each other's energy, I think. This is a great platform, not only selfishly for us to meet amazing people, but also to highlight their stories and bring them and share them to the world. And so I think that's ultimately how we just continue doing more and more of this. (laughs) And GQ just got dragged in into this platform as well, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, kind of. Well, not really. I think like David and I, we had this conversation and then I think it's like at the end of 2019 and we actually kind of kicked things off. And I think that conversation with Sean just sparked like, hey, we're going to do this. And we started recording episodes, interviewing people. One thing led to another. It just grew organically in a way. We just kind of figured out, okay, how how we're going to get better. How do we deliver better content? How do we get more stories, quality information so that we can get that together and deliver it better to the masses? That always was the conversation that I think started off how we solve. The shape that it has today where we have the live shows came from reading Traffic Secrets by Russell Brunson. I really like this idea of like having this live show where afterwards you know you get the exposure for the live viewers and then you later turn it into a podcast and you can also chop it up for social media clips and stuff like this. And he kind of takes it one step further where it's like really a show where he has whatever reads the top ten list and does a bunch of stuff. We just do the live stream and then later turn to a podcast and reuse it in social media. But yeah, this is why we're live today. And I really enjoy the live. 
live format, actually. Yeah. And one of the best things about going live, in a sense, is even though you might be like recording a podcast, you're actually just there to have a conversation with anyone who turns up and chimes in, right? Like, obviously, the floor is open, like, for people to have a comment or have a question. That's always our goal is like to be able to answer questions because, I mean, we could do this for completely selfish reasons, but the, actually the, the main thing is we're doing this because it's something that we want to be able to give back in a way that's like, hey, we've got the experience, we've got the knowledge, we've got the guests who you might have read their book, but you haven't actually got to ask them your question. And then it's just giving that platform for people to open up and like a two-way dialogue. That's definitely like where we're trying to push the live format as well. It's like, it's not just a recording session. It's like an interactive session as well. One big challenge I always had with the podcast or we had with the podcast is kind of like figuring out like who really is the target audience. I think it's like in general, positioning is always a tough thing. Actually, we did a few podcast interviews in the beginning on positioning because it's a really hard thing to do in business and for entrepreneurs because you kind of feel that you limit yourself not being able to touch all these, this other opportunity. But I guess it, it makes way more sense when you hyper-focus and we're still kind of fine-tuning the hyper-focus of the show. We first start focusing on e-com and SaaS because this is kind of like the customer base that we're serving and it kind of boils down further and further. Now the current school of thought is to focus on companies who are at the growth stage, not too early, but kind of like having like 20 or even more, maybe 50 or 100 employees because these type of companies have a very different set of problems than smaller companies. So this is like currently what we're focusing on. And a really good example of hyper-focusing is Sean's alumni.fm. You know, maybe you want to share like how you hyper-focus and how this is working really well. Yeah, started that completely accidentally. It was just a student podcast. The university picked up on it, asked me to do an alumni podcast. And I thought, well, I didn't come to an MBA to do podcasting <laughs> and pay all this money to go into podcasting. I could have done that without the MBA. But as I started exploring the area, I noticed that I couldn't find any schools with a podcast, dedicated alumni podcast. A lot of business schools, especially, they have a podcast, but not a dedicated alumni-focused podcast. And as you had just mentioned, David, as with building anything, you're trying to build your audience because you're trying to find your target market. But with alumni podcasting, well, the target market's the alumni. And there's an alumni base in every university, what I call this warm audience, right? And so I thought, wait, if I can do this for Berkeley, why can't we do this for every single university? And the beauty of it was that they're non-competitive. It's not like Berkeley competes with Stanford for their alumni. And so again, just accidentally stumble this business where we just hyper-focus on alumni bases and providing value there. Yeah, which is super cool. I love podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. And it sounds a little weird to be saying that on a podcast, but you learn a lot. First of all, you learn a lot about how people work, how people go through the challenges of their day or whatever. And I definitely wasn't listening to podcasts thinking, oh, I'll work in podcasting. <laughs> but it's actually really cool. And it presents a lot of unique challenges. And one of my favorite things is just reaching out to people and finding out who's interested to talk about their things. And you'd be surprised how many people will say yes to being able to share their knowledge, even if they're multi-million companies or whatever. Mm. It's really interesting. I have a different question though. Like In the beginning, early stages, was there some lessons to be learned? Maybe throw it out to David first. Anything in particular you guys stumbled across or realized along the way? The positioning thing is still something. Being hyper-focused with this one is definitely a learning lesson. Different formats and how to market stuff. Not sure if I could put my finger on something really specific. 
Sean, maybe from your end? I would say, you know, juggling the different priorities of not only producing, but also marketing the podcast. That's a pretty big challenge in the early days of with any podcast is, you know, how, how do you go about marketing a podcast? Like the beauty of podcasting is that it's really easy to start, but it's really difficult to succeed, make it sustainable. That's a challenge that um, you know, I'm actually trying to tackle as a platform with Clever FM. So we can talk about that later. Yeah, give people some background. What, what does Clever do? And Yeah, yeah. So podcasting, I love this medium. Like I said, it's been around for 17, 18 years now. And it hasn't evolved at all. You listen to podcasts on a smartphone, on a dumb app, as we call it. And you, know, you might as well be listening on radio. But that's a crazy thing, right? People say that podcast listening is a very passive experience. You know, why do I need it to be interactive? What we notice is that people don't notice that they're interacting with the podcast. You know, when they hear something interesting, they'll take notes, right, in their physical notebook or in a notes app. When they hear about somebody, they'll Google search that person. When they hear a book, they'll go look on Amazon in the US. And we're just thinking like these are all interaction points, but none of it is in app. You have to do this outside the app. Even when you hear, when I hear something notable, I want to bookmark it. What do I do? I take a screenshot of it, of that moment in time, and I have to, I have to go back and scrub to listen to it. I'm just thinking this is a terrible user experience. And then you couple that with the host side. We don't know what's resonating with the audience. All we know is that somebody downloaded this file, this MP3 file in Budapest, right, on an iOS device. That means nothing. <laughs> and again, this is all being delivered on a smartphone. And so we started thinking, well, how can we make this better? How can we really improve this? Not just for the listener, but for the host as well. So we create this interactive experience between the audience and the host. And that's really what we've been focusing on. Is how can we create the best engagement experience for us as podcast hosts to engage our audience and build community? And ultimately, obviously, for creators to be able to monetize off these communities. If I may, I have a little example of this in a podcast that I listened to. They actually produced a physical product. It's a notebook that they sell to their audience. And it's based on a system that they use for keeping notes that they talk about a lot. So obviously, this was going to be something that a few people were interested in, but they had no idea how many people would actually buy this thing. They initially ordered, I think, 200 from the factory, which was a six-month process to get these made, right? And they initially ordered maybe 200, and they sold out in seconds. Actually, wow. sold out in seconds. And they had no idea. So they ordered 1,000, and they sold out in seconds. So they still had no idea from their audience how many people were actually going to buy this thing. And so once they learned these lessons, they started to get better at it, and they started to order the right numbers, of course. But it just goes to show, like even though they knew they had a popular podcast, they did not know how much they were actually able to sell to their audience something that was of value to them. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, in Clever App, buying or subscribing to showing interest of like, hey, I would buy this product type of thing. I think this would be a cool way to market mm -hmm. Clever if you have this functionality in there. And then the, the host is really incentivized. Like, hey guys, if you listen to it on the Clever App, just press this button and blah. You know, I think this would be a cool viral way of marketing Clever. Yeah, I like that. There's one thing, especially as Android users have, it's a problem of finding the right app to listen to. I've gone through three or four now trying to find the right one. And sometimes they have playback issues. Sometimes they have issues with something else. But yeah, you always end up going to a new one and trying it out. So I'd be keen to see what's next for sure. Luckily, it is on both iOS and Android. <laughs> when is it dropping? 
It should be dropping this week. Mm, exciting. On the iOS. I mean, it's it's available in beta. I heard it here first. Yeah, if you, if you go to Clever.fm, you can play with the beta app. It's a fully functional podcast listening app. Just going to check that out right now. I want to bring it back to why we're here today, which is the 100th episode, which is kind of mind-blowing. What was the actual first, if anyone could remember when this first episode was? 2019, maybe May? December, June. It was around November. I think it was like November, December, yeah. Yeah. And GQ was pumping out episodes like a madman. <laughs> <laughs> he was just interviewing nonstop. One of the episodes was Sean was actually the host and I was the guest. Felt so privileged to get interviewed by Sean. <laughs> so I learned a lot from the master of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, back in October, November, I remember I had to look through the episodes and to learn how to produce them. So <laughs> from, the, from just the purely audio side. Oh, yeah. They were interviewing some amazing people, both David and, and GQ. Actually, Dave was also one of the hosts. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dave Schneider, who, who runs Shortlist.io. But yeah, he decided to focus more on the ACO part of marketing and not being too extroverted all in and being on video live streams and stuff. Yeah. Maybe it's coming back. Dave, if you hear this, dude, we want you back. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> also, you got to join the dad crew, you know? It's just <laughs> GQ, Dave, and I, we all had babies around the same time, pandemic babies. And that's Dave. From shortlist, not me, David. My my daughter's eight eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dave Schneider like moved across the country, and then it was just way too much. It's like a baby and moving across the country. Now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're right. I think all of us had our kids in 2020. <laughs> just like different months. I think Dave had his I think a month or two before mine. Yeah, I'm good, guys. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> so if it was the late 2019, so we're coming up. On about two years then, roughly, roughly two years, 100 episodes, that's, I mean, that's literally one every week for two years. That's a really crazy output, actually, if you think about it. So congratulations to anyone who's involved in that. I was, I was only involved since maybe 70 something. But yeah, I also have a YouTube channel on the side and I just, I know how hard it is to make something every week, once a week, every week or whatever. It is like this process and stuff. But what's maybe one of your favorite episodes that you've either recorded or done or produced or anything like that. Maybe I'll start with GQ. I think the most recent one that I can think of, we did this episode with the guy at Gladly, I think, and we were talking about customer experience. And Yeah, Gladly is Mike McCarran. Yeah, I think that was a really good one because I think like there, there was a lot of information that we could get off. There's like a lot, of, a lot of back and forth where we're talking about customer experience and customer service in general. And I think we both shared similar views on, on where this is going 2021, 2022. For me, when it comes to episodes, the most important thing is like as long as the conversation is good and you're getting a lot of nuggets along the way, right? So I think that's kind of where the magic happens. Sean, what about you? What's your favorite episode? You did I, a I few, I remember. This is one of my like least favorite questions when I get asked on podcasts. Okay. <laughs> because it's like, I'm totally kidding with you, Sam, but it's like asking like, who's your favorite child? <laughs> it's like all of them. <laughs> if I were to point to anything, I would, I would point to like a category. For me, it is the customer success category within how we solve that I love listening to because there is no one answer for customer success because you have so many different types of customers and so many different types of organizations at different stages, especially as an entrepreneur, it's really interesting for me to hear customer success at really early stages versus growing stages versus maturity stages. And I thought we had a pretty good coverage of the spectrum. Yeah, actually, now that I've 
already asked the question. It's kind of like asking for favorites, bests, and worst. It's not usually the best way to phrase a question. So instead of asking favorite episode, what's an episode that you were really looking forward to doing, David? Two recent ones come to mind. One was with Temple Graydon talking about autism. And I have this condition called aphantasia where I don't have images in my head and she's the polar opposite. She only has images in her head. And she's like also a very interesting person. I love the movie that was made about her life. And this was pretty awesome. And the most recent one was also super cool for me because I'm a huge NPS nerd, net promoter score. I really love the concept. It's kind of like a whole way of doing business. And I had the founder of NPS on the, on the show. It was just a recorded podcast. He didn't want to go live because it's, it's about this new book which is going to be released early next month. I think it's late next month. I think it's early December time. So that'll be coming out pretty soon. Like by the time you hear this one, it won't be long, maybe a couple episodes out. I was there for that interview. I was the only other attendee. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Fred, not only is he a really nice guy, but I'm not a NPS nerd, as David described himself, but I completely understood everything straight away, how he was talking about it. I thought I would get lost. I wouldn't understand its terminology I'm not familiar with. No, actually, it was very simple to get. The concepts he was explaining were very universal, not just in business, but of course, his book applies to business, but it's like you could just understand it in a sense of like how he explains it. I think that's the one thing I'd like to tack on and add about the How We Solve podcast I really enjoy is that everything that we cover is very approachable. And I think part of it is because of the structure that Dave and GQ had carved out in the beginning. It's like, let's keep this podcast focus and right, these how we solve this thing and then boom, 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 right, the steps to it. And that makes it very easy to uh, digest. A lot of podcasts, especially interview-based, sometimes, like you're saying, Sam, I like get it's into the weeds of things that we might not be able to understand. But the How We Solve podcast keeps it useful. <laughs> yeah, the idea from the beginning was to always give actual insights and to have like have it kind of really broken down, compressed, so you can take something from it and implement. Just to dive into that even further, like even if you don't have 30 minutes to listen, you could also just flick through because for every episode, we're also putting not just a description, like an actual post showing like some quotes from the episode, but also like the actual insights that were gleaned from that conversation. So you can skip the fluff even more and just take five minutes or less to go through that. And that's the kind of thing where it could be like your little five minutes of updates on what's new in that industry or, or learning a little bit of that. Yeah. What I wanted to ask David is some kind of shift in focus. I think you kind of alluded to that too. David, can you jump onto that? Some kind of like shift in focus for the podcast. Yeah, I kind of... Pointed this out in before that, you know, kind of finding the, the right positioning or like the right audience. And it's sounding very egoistic here, but kind of being self-serving, talking to people that about topics that are of real interest to me at the stage where we are with, with all the companies, you know, combined with like 400 employees or something like this. We face different issues than somebody who just starts out. And also, I think there's not that much content out there. There's a lot of content out there, like how to get started in the early days, but not as much in terms of what you do once you have achieved some critical mass and the business is rolling. And I really felt this at Max CDN, where I think around 20, 25 people, it really started that we had like issues in terms of internal communication. And it was a whole set of new problems that we really never had before, kind of creating proper internal communications, SOPs, 
standard operating procedures and kind of like really systematizing the business more. Actually, back then I registered the website called Problem 25, the problems that start once you have 25 plus employees. And, you know, I always wanted to create a blog around this topic, but I enjoy podcasting way more than, than writing content. So, yeah, I guess this is kind of like the new direction that we're kind of focusing on. I like that. I was just thinking about how when you think about why people would target beginners, entrepreneurs, you know, it's because the pool of potential entrepreneurs is probably much larger than the pool of potential 25 plus. But that's also where it's like, well, that's the best place for us to be then. Because there's already 100 channels covering entrepreneur side. So better if we can give those insights to people who are been there, done that for the first few years, but now what's new? Actually, Sean, you just mentioned you had something like 20 plus employees. Yep. We're at the cusp of that. Luckily, we had hired an HR person who's helping us build our... I mean, we've been building SOPs along the way, but just having to refine that now, now that the group's bigger, because I frankly have no idea what's going on sometimes. Like, how are things operating? Like, who's doing what? <laughs> but like I mentioned, we produce, you know, seven, eight podcasts and bring on more this year. So it's much needed. But you're, you also had business before, right? It's not your first rodeo, you know? So you kind of like had a bunch of learnings along the way already, you know? So this is why you're kind of starting out in a more systematized fashion that you're able to remove yourself from the processes and have other people fulfill that versus being like a smaller shop where you have your hands all over. That's right. But I, I had to learn this lesson the hard way with Clever FM. Funny enough, even though I started five businesses now, because Clever FM was the first business where we fundraised, where I you know, had to leverage other people's money. And I say I learned the hard way because I was thinking, well, I want to be scrappy with other people's money. I want to be frugal with it. But it's funny enough, like the completely opposite thing you should do. I'm not saying you should just waste it and hire a million people, but the whole point of fundraising is so that you can build a team to accelerate versus trying to do everything yourself. It sounds exactly like what I would do if I was given a bunch of money. I'd be like, okay, don't spend it ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally the first month, my co-founder and I were like, do we need to pay ourselves? No, not this month. All right, let's just skip it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get out of the, the bootstrap mindset. I've never gotten out of the bootstrap cheap asset mindset. You know, so it's, I think it's going to be really hard to just like throw a lot of money at problems. Especially also being responsible for other people's money makes me kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. But I mean, they invest for a reason, right? They're betting on horses and we're obviously not taking money from people's life savings. And so that's that's the other thing I have to remind myself is that all investors are accredited. They all are wealthy and they make a lot of gambles a year. I feel like the luckiest guy sometimes because when I'm editing these shows... I get to listen and kind of re-listen to these lessons multiple times over. So it's not just like a, a one and done thing. It like it kind of has some time to sort of sit in my brain for a while and I can kind of make sense of these lessons. And I feel like that's going to help a lot in the future when I'm starting to do something for myself, maybe. I'm not going to lie. That's what I miss the most about producing How We Solve. Dave and GQ, around the time I came on to host, this was around February, January, February of, of last year, 2020. I was producing the podcast because I, you know, I'd had experience producing my own podcast. And so I thought, all right, let me, this was at the time where I didn't have anybody on my team. It was just me, myself, and I for my own podcast as a host, as a producer, as the publisher. And so I thought, 
okay, I could do this for David and, and GQ. <laughs> and I remember just editing, going through and editing with such detail, spending three, four hours per episode, just making sure that these two guys sound amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> we always sound amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe we can uh, have a little laugh then at their expense, John, because one of my favorite things about GQ is his tendency to repeat <laughs> a sentence at the end of a paragraph. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> very good. Very good. <laughs> it's all the time. And I wonder, do I keep the second one or do I just find the best one and keep that? <laughs> I always found the best one. And I kept that. Whatever one that sounded most natural, I would keep it. But back to your point, I learned so much just re-listening to the episodes over and over again for four hours, a half an hour episode for four hours. <laughs> but I, I would take notes along the way. That's what I loved about it. That's when you can do it in the Clever app, taking notes. Yes. <laughs> you just made your process that much easier. That's brilliant. Just solve your own problem by hiring 20 people. <laughs> yeah. And any jokes on my expense? You know, I have aphantasia. <laughs> it will not bother me. So One of my favorite things about David is everything goes back to MaxCDN. <laughs> so it's like back in the MaxCDN days, back in the days of MaxCDN, <laughs> when I was at MaxCDN, I had this employee at MaxCDN. And I totally understand, right? Because that's your bread and butter. Like that's where you got everything going. And of course, you'll notice this with anyone who hosts enough podcasts. They, they kind of run out of stories, right? Like, <laughs> or at least like the source material is referenced a lot. But I think all those lessons have a lot of value and are worth repeating, even if they're the same story. It doesn't matter because somebody might only listen to one podcast, but then you might miss the other one. That's right. Or if it's worth repeating, then it's worth listening to a second time. Because it's like, it obviously meant enough to David for it to stick in his brain. And remember, David can't remember pictures. So it's all, I don't know what it is that he's storing up there, but something's there. And he's put the space aside to remember this story. Obviously, it means it's lo logical concepts. Mm -hmm. I will talk on every episode about love and fear, even though if you know, people <laughs> will throw stones at me at some point. But yeah. I think it's worth sharing. Love and fear and don't use the, the TRY word. There is no TRY. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> few, Sam used tried a few times and Sean also <laughs> during this call. I was really holding back not to say it, but. Oh dear. Yeah. One thing I remember about David, nothing about his hosting, but he was always so accommodating for the guests that sometimes the audio would just be terrible. <laughs> and I have to <laughs> clean up the guest audio and take out background noises. And that was always, I was just banging my head on the wall like, so you mean that guests not having proper audio equipment? Yeah. Or the worst offending was when David used to use Zoom for recording and the file would be combined and then there's just nothing I can do. And then I had to literally do some audio engineering to take out certain noises or a cough or something because we don't have separate tracks. This is a combined track. Those were the days. I apologize. No, we're past those days now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, inherently, when you're running a guest show, you can't control all the factors all the time. And even if you're running your own sit-down show, it's still hard to control everything. Yeah. That's why Joe Rogan has this soundproof van or whatever, because that's the only way to really control it. Plus, we have like really amazing, honored guests. You can't just say, hey, all right, let's spend 15 minutes diagnosing your problems. If there's a learning lesson, this is one of those too. It's like, we just have to, the show has to go on. We can't rebook them. And so... The show has to go on. The story matters more than the quality at the end of the day. 
I like that, Sean. The show must go on. <laughs> With Temple Graden, we had like some scheduling issue. We thought it's next week, but then I saw that she logged in. I think it was, was it on Zoom, I think. I think she logged into Zoom. And I got the email like that she just logged into Zoom. I was like, holy cow. I just went up into my office, jumped on. It's like, do you mind if we reschedule? No, I'd like to do it now. I was like, no prep document, no nothing. I'm just like, whatever, let's, let's just roll. Because I want to capture that. Turned out good. Yeah. Show must go on. It was certainly interesting to, to go through that and edit as well. It was a lot of fun. I wanted to open the floor. You guys have anything you want to add? I've sort of asked all my questions. So if you want to ask me a question or anything. Sam was asking so many questions. Now we turn the tables like, Sam, tell us. <laughs> what was your most embarrassing moment when you were 18? <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. I was homeschooled. And when I tell that to people nowadays, they don't really believe me because I've sort of normalized a little bit. But when I was a teenager, when I was like 15 to 18, I was probably have so many embarrassing moments. I really wish I had aphantasia <laughs> and I, I really wish I could just block them out. But that's just life and, and you grow up and stuff. So by the time I went to university, I sort of, you know, but I could tell one quick story. Like I was so infatuated by this girl at university. In the first week, I brought my guitar into class and I hit it under the desk. And at the end of class, I brought Whoa. it out and I sang a song. And I still think back and I'm like, wow, that was like, super bold but also like why did i do that <laughs> that was like when i was growing up we were just like on stage all the time we were performing at church we were performing songs we were doing all this stuff like it was just normal for our family but now when, when i think back I'm like oh, oh, oh did you get the girl that's the most important question <laughs> i'm just gonna say that she was like this is really nice but also <laughs> here's a restraining order <laughs> If you wanted it, that's my embarrassing story for you. <laughs> it's funny. I thought about this and I can't really recall something that was really embarrassing. Because <laughs> hashtag Aphantasia. I don't think really anyone should live with regrets. I mean, you always take the lessons from your experiences every single time, even if they're hilarious or even if they're, I guess, embarrassing, but still lessons can be gleaned always. And I don't really understand people when they say they have regrets because it's like, didn't you learn something? Or is your regret that you didn't learn and you did it a second time? Is that your regret? Because that's kind of the only time I would think that makes sense. I think that's a great topic to come full circle on the How We Solve podcast because the whole point is to learn from people's mistakes. They figure out how to solve a problem because they went through the mistakes of having the problem in the first place. <laughs> and so I think this is also why I love this podcast is because we get to hear very candidly about people's blunders. And from what I remember, some people are not shy about it. <laughs> I feel like the more successful the person is, the more they're willing to share how they fucked up. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about how we did at Max City End. Just to wrap up the show, David. <laughs> well, I think that is a good place to wind it down. And first of all, thank you to everyone who's listening and like we've been spending a lot of time on this show talking about ourselves but really honestly we wouldn't be doing this show if we didn't think that we were able to help other people and it's like a, a real privilege to be able to reach out into the world and say hey here's some lessons here's how we effed up in the past and here's what you should learn from and i really hope this this show has the sort of ability to bring people together in that way of like, oh yeah, we all make mistakes, but also we can all learn from these people. And yeah. Nicely said, Sam. And thank you for being the magician in the background. If you need to take notes. <laughs> Use the clever app. Yeah, that's no, good fun. It's actually a lot of fun to make this happen. It's fun to reach out to people. It's fun to make things work. It's a good time. So thanks for having me on today as well. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. 
Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.